0: The Sport Industry Access Podcast, episode 127. What does it take to be champion-minded when pursuing a career in sports? to another episode of the Sport Industry Access Podcast. I'm your host, Ed Bowers. As always, my goal each week is to provide you a special guest who is a sports expert in a specific field in the sports industry, especially if you have an interest in pursuing a career in sports coaching. I hope today's episode can be useful to you with regards to your interests. And needs. Now getting back to today's show this week's special guest is Alistair McCall. Alistair is an author, keynote speaker and a high performance sports coach. With over 25 years of experience in sports coaching Alistair really specialises in working with elite athletes on their mindset so they can become champion minded not just on the court but also off the court as well. Alistair's worked with a variety of athletes from college athletes to Olympians, Paralympians and a numerous of sports teams around the world and for that reason I have to say it's such a privilege to have Alistair as a special guest on the show. That's why in today's episode Alistair will share his sports career journey and explain to you why being champion minded is so important when pursuing a career in sports. Alistair, it's such a privilege to have you on the show. Please could you share your sports career journey to listeners? When did it all start?
1: Hey Ed, thanks for having me. Um, oh, Where did it all start? Probably uh, as a kid growing up in South Africa. Um, I was actually born in Belfast, Northern Ireland, but moved to South Africa when I was uh, five. A um, uh, big interest in sports already from a young age. Um, in school I played around about seven, eight sports. Uh, I did pretty well in, in all of them. I wasn't too good academically. Um, I I knew from a young age I, I wanted to be a champion in, in a sport. My first sport was tennis. Um, got to a decent level in under 12s and under 14s, but it's it's an incredibly expensive sport. I came from a family where we didn't have a lot of money, so it, was, it got to a stage where you needed more coaching, you needed more support, and, and it was difficult at that stage. So at 14, I decided to take up running, because obviously it doesn't take too much money or too much finances, a pair of running shoes. I did really well. By 16, I was I was the um, five-kilometer road champion in the juniors, and then from there, I tra- transitioned into triathlon and triathlon, which is running and biking. I became two-time uh, junior national champion in South Africa, and then went on to Compete in five world championships, so I've, I had a good sports career, had a good athletic career. Touchwood, I was very, very lucky that I I was never injured. Hardly I took care of my body from a young age. I think one of the the aspects I had from a very young age was an inner inner desire and a burning desire to succeed. I didn't need my parents to push me. In fact, they hardly uh, attended any of my sports events. They didn't even see me compete nationally or win titles. And I was okay with it. I really was out there fighting battles on my own, and I think that's made me who I was today and that's definitely an area i could I could advise to to parents is let your kids fight their battles and that's something that gave me grit and resilience is I had to stand up for my behaviors be they be they good or bad, uh, my results be they good or bad and and obviously, I was responsible for my preparation so um if I look back, uh, Ed, I, I I think I've you know with without or should I say with trying to be as humble as possible, I'm proud of of my junior career and my athletic careers that I really had to drive it myself, and uh, you know it's I suppose it's made me the person I am today.
0: Alistair, I find this really interesting, and you've highlighted a really interesting point about how parents have an important role during. A young person's athletic career but I just want to go back very briefly can you remember that moment when you decided that you wanted to be an elite athlete because really quickly you provide an overview of all the different sports you started tennis which I did when I was young and you're absolutely right it's a very expensive sport but can you remember when you went right I want to be an elite athlete and compete at the highest level can you remember that stage
1: yeah absolutely it was very clear to me it was when I was 10 years old and I was sitting alongside a tennis court, uh, listening to a coach work with, with, a, with a player. And we couldn't afford coaching. So the way I coached myself is that I would listen to other coaches. I would, in a way, steal lessons by sitting alongside a court or, or the field and listening to coaches. And then I'd go work on that afterwards. And uh, for me, it was you know one particular day. I think it was a Friday Friday evening at, at my local tennis club in, in Veldfrieden Park, which is in Johannesburg. And I remember going down to one of the below courts, and, and the gates were always locked, so I would have to either sneak under the fence or somehow work it out. And I was hitting against the wall, and I was taking in what this coach had told you know the kid up up top at the other court. He was being coached. And that was the moment that I decided I wanted to be a champion in, in, in obviously at the time in tennis, and I remember uh, riding. Uh, little pieces of paper and sticking them above my bed that one day I'll be a champion and I'll play on the tour and and all these things so already that vision was ingrained from myself from from 10 years old again no parents no one pushed me or or encouraged me in in a way of that I had to do it it was really my choice in a way my parents would actually in a way try and hold me back from from not doing too much because I would be (laughs) I would be out training the whole time but yeah, Ed, it was, it was 10 years old. It was very, very clear to me. I remember it to this day.
0: Thank you very much for sharing that. And it sort of relates to my next question, really, with regards to what you're doing now. Was that the moment when you decided right after your athletic career, coaching was that next step for you? Not really. I mean, I
1: had to work jobs while I was while I was competing. Uh, the, the sport of triathlon and triathlon doesn't really pay that much. You know, it's like sports like squash karate uh, sport gymnastics sports that require a lot of hard work and hours but you really don't get a lot of money you know even at the top uh unless you're just a a, a complete standout or you know olympic sports help as well but yeah for me um it was it it was just working hard it was it was putting in in the time um sorry what, what was your question again Ed? i completely got off track there
0: don't worry, it was all about, you said when you were young, you were listening to coaches and nicking their ideas, and you do a lot of coaching now at the highest level, and I assumed, and I shouldn't have, with regards to my question was, what really inspired you to be a coach after your athletic career? Ah, uh, okay. I started working
1: as a fitness trainer in a gym. Actually, before that, I was I was cleaning the, the restrooms to, to pay for the gym membership, and then from there, it, it went on to, hey, maybe I could be a fitness trainer. And from there, it went on to personal training and, and, you know, sports performance training. So that's really where it started for me. But I wouldn't say growing up, I was thinking about being a coach. I was completely focused on on wanting to be a world champion and and be an athlete. And I remember actually one, one day, I was probably 18 or 19, um, I was in the kitchen and I think I'd, I'd lost lost a race on the weekend. I was pretty upset and I was talking to my mom in the kitchen and she said, "Well, you know, if it doesn't work out for you, maybe you could go into coaching." And I was I was almost disgusted. I was like, "I don't want to coach. I, I want to compete." And uh, you know, her words proved right that you know, coaching would probably be my calling and be my ultimate fulfillment in the end because. Right now, as a coach and as a leader and in and, and the line of what I'm doing, I'm way, way more fulfilled than I was as an athlete.
0: Before we talk about today's main podcast topic, there's one I'd really like to discuss is, can you remember that moment when you realized that competing in sport was near to the end of your career and you had to think about moving forward? Because there's one topic that comes up over and over again in my show when I speak to athletes like yourself is they can sometimes struggle with regards to uh, what they do after they retire can you remember that moment or was it that piece of advice from your mum?
1: yeah I I think in all honesty that played a part but I would say put it this way because I was in a sport that didn't make me money I had to be working so in in the interim alongside that parallel to that I had to be working in in my career and and building my career so it's I you know today I consult numerous athletes who, who go through that exact same challenge of Uh, what now Um, even athletes who have made a lot of money where they have options you know they could they could go into many fields they could open a restaurant they could open a, a business but at the end of the day are they fulfilled by that do they have purpose by that and that is something I try to do today in my consulting with athletes and players is try find their greater purpose because all their lives they've been conditioned and trained and programmed and work towards being an athlete. They have you know in my book Champion Minded I mention identity crisis. Their identity has become Paul the rugby player or Michael the tennis player or Jill the netball player. So they've had this identity all their life. They've been recognized as that uh, by what they do, not not by who they are. When their career finishes all of a sudden they're not no longer that person or what people thought they were. So, you know, it's a vital area because I would say, Ed, over – if you were to push me for a number, I'd say over 60 to 70 percent of athletes are lost after they retire from from their career. That's why it's so important to have good people, good mentors around you. I feel, you know, if if you know when you're going to retire, for example, if you're going to say, I'm going to retire in three years or five years, you should already be making plans, connections – uh, maybe there's certain studies you need to put in that that set you up for that career, but you need to be already planning your second career a long time before you know you hang up the boots or hang up the racket, whatever it may be.
0: I think what you're talking about now, Alistair, really relates to today's podcast topic. What does it take to be champion-minded when pursuing a career in sports on and off the pitch?
1: Yeah, obviously, discipline is is one of the key areas. Um, you know, you can't get very far without discipline. So, you know, it's knowing what you want. That's important. It's being hungry for what you want. Those are the two keys for me. The two main keys for me in being champion-minded is, is having the discipline and being hungry to, to succeed, no matter what that is. You know, obviously being champion-minded is about mindset. It's about preparation. It's about motivation. It's about all these things that don't necessarily require talent, but they require effort and they require choices, I think that's the big word, um, Ed, you know, when I speak to athletes or high performers are you are going to be determined or your success is going to be determined by the choices you make on a daily basis. And it really, at the end of the day, comes down to discipline.
0: Absolutely. And I really want to emphasize this now. Can you remember what inspired you to write a book about this topic? Because I have read it back to back. And the key thing you've just mentioned is choices. Could you go in a bit more detail about your book and why you wrote it?
1: Yeah, I mean, on a, you know, as a from a kid, I was never the most talented kid. I I you know, wasn't a natural. I wouldn't pick up something quickly. I had to work really, really hard at it. And one of the motivations behind this book was that you can reach a very, very high level or you can go as far as you believe you can go if you're willing to put in the hard work. So that's really the essence of what this book is about is that if you want it enough, if you're willing to put in the effort, if you're willing to make the right choices, that word again, then you can be a success, or you, or should I say, you can maximize your potential, whatever that is, because we don't know what our potential is. Um, you can maximize that by putting in the small, daily, concerted efforts every single day that don't require um, a, a god-given talent. They just require, again, decisions, choices. And what you do on a daily basis. That was the motivation behind this book. Another great motivation behind this book was life skills. What, what sport is teaching us in, in, in the, while we're doing that sport, how we relate with other people, our gratitude, our appreciation, how hard work pays off, how bringing a great attitude will get you further in life, not just in sports. And that is one of the main topics or main areas I wanted to, to put through in this book is that attitude is everything. I think even one of the first chapters talks about that attitude is everything. It's gonna determine how far you go. And, you know, especially with young people today, obviously it's a it's a big seller in, in teenagers and colleges and, and, and you know, it's it's for all ages because, you know, it's a book on life, but um it's not just about your grades. It's not, not just about how well you play a sport. It's about your attitude at the end of the day. And that's one of the big areas that this book really uh, emphasizes
0: absolutely and just relating to your current career now especially for the listeners who would like to be aspiring coaches how has this book supported you not just writing it but even like reading it again supported you when working with all the different elite athletes all over the world
1: this book i would say an accumulation of 30 years 35 years of my experiences of my knowledge of my failures of my mistakes of my successes of my experiences with other coaches other players so you know, for me, I don't necessarily have to look at that book to remind myself because it's something that's inside my head and it's, it's in my DNA from, you know, from all the years before. So, you know, when I talk to a group of, of players or I talk to a team or a college, whatever it may be, you know, I feel the moment of what this particular team might need or what this particular player might need at that moment. And it would be something that would probably be mentioned in the book. But, you know, that's another great key to a great coach is you're able to adapt to the moment. You're able to, to adapt to what that person in front of you needs at that moment. It really is feeling, feeling the moment of what that person needs. and not, it's, it's not about what you want to say. It's what that person needs to hear in front of you. And, in fact, in my first book, Seven Keys to Being a Great Coach – um, one of the chapters there is about the ability to adapt and great coaches are able to adapt to their audience.
0: I have to say it's a book I need to read Alistair. Would you mind providing a little overview of that book from a coaching perspective that was okay?
1: Yeah sure I mean it's it's called The Seven Keys to Being a Great Coach and again it's an, a, it's an accumulation of, of all my experiences and coaching and traveling and and where I started, and, and obviously I discussed some of the mistakes I made and failures I made, so, you know, coaches or young coaches especially, it's a great book to read and and to maybe learn from other people's mistakes uh, because that's how you, you know, not only learning from your own mistakes, but learning from other people's mistakes is how you g- gain ground quicker. But, um, you know, part of my journey, and I've been incredibly blessed and honored Ed, to to spend time alongside some amazing people, not just players but amazing coaches and some of these coaches are probably people that you've never heard of or never will hear of but they're people that inspire they're people that motivate they're people that do uh, that coach as a vocation not as a job those are the real coaches sometimes you know we think great coaches are the ones we see on TV on the weekend the ones that coach big clubs big teams for me yes they're good they have to be good but the great coaches are the ones that are actually some people you'll you'll never hear of they're just making a difference in other people's lives and they're maximizing what they've got. To me, a great coach is not the level that you train. It's how far you can take that level you have. And that's what a great coach to me is. But the seven keys are a great coach. I talk about the importance of your standards. I talk about the importance of having a method, um, the ability to adapt, as we just mentioned, the importance of your fundamentals, investing in yourself. Uh, And, of course, um, energy and your interpersonal skills. Those are the seven keys to being a great coach. Uh, A big thing in coaching is respect, but uh, likability is also one of the best abilities of a coach. Great coaches are liked, uh, but first and foremost, they're respected. And, you know, if we have a look at, for example, the the, the situation with Manchester United just recently with Jose Mourinho, he's a great coach. I mean, his record shows he's a great coach, but but how do we determine what a great coach is? Um, you know, he he was maybe respected, but was he liked by the players, and did that help them perform? You know, there's a, that's a very unique situation. So you know, it's it's a fine line. It's it's the ability to be respected, but also to be liked as well.
0: Alistair, thank you so much for sharing that insight, and I find what you talk about very very interesting. Now relating back to your career, what have you been up to recently?
1: Well, I've been very busy with obviously the third book, uh, Becoming a Great Team Player. That's that's taken a lot of my time in 2018. I was able to finally get it out. It's on Amazon uh, on the 15th of December 2018. So it was a big push. A lot of traveling, a lot of consulting, a lot of speaking. spent some time over in in South Africa, in Australia, Scotland, speaking there just uh, towards the end of last year, and then this year as well. Um, you know, it's going to kick off again on Sunday with with the traveling. I'll be in Detroit and uh, then Louisiana next week. So the road show is
0: is back on. Just on a personal note, Alistair, what have you enjoyed the most from your sports career looking back right now?
1: Looking back right now, I'd say the. The experiences with with athletes, I would say the experiences of traveling, of opening my eyes to to new cultures, also the ability to handle failure better. I think sport teaches us about life in so many ways, and again, that gets back to the champion-minded book about uh, good and bad. Uh, you know, you're going to learn every single day if you're open to learning from bad experiences. I know it sucks. It's not a good feeling. But those are the experiences that you can take forward. So I would say those have been the key things from my career that I've taken forward. And, and here's the thing. I, I maybe didn't realize it at the time, but that is what I take out of it now, many years later, by going, you know what? That time when you know I was, I was just having a terrible run of results, I was lacking motivation, I was doubting. Those were the times where you really really find yourself. So, you know, those are the times I'm most thankful for because you learn more from your down times than than your than your high times.
0: Alistair, I cannot express how much I'm enjoying this chat and you're totally right. It does suck when we go through adversity, but that's part of the process of delivering success and it really relates to your book which I have thoroughly enjoyed reading and I feel like we're at a great stage of the interview where I'd like to finish with an inspirational question. What advice would you give to university students who want to pursue career in sports coaching?
1: Try surround yourself with great people. Ask questions. When you ask a question, don't interrupt. Listen. Uh, even if you think you know the answer, uh, when you ask for advice, listen. Open yourself to listening. I think that's one of the, the what I said the first time is is surround yourself with great people. Go and observe good coaches. Go and observe training sessions. Go and and take in as many experiences as you can because yes theory is important studying is important but you're going to learn 80 percent of what's most important out there so that the sooner you can get out there it doesn't matter what the activity is it doesn't matter if it's a sport you don't enjoy go and watch the environment go and watch how the coach interacts with the players go and go and watch how the players interact with each other these are all the dynamics that make a great coach Also, if I can say one thing is keep a notebook, write things down, write things down. You see, uh, write things down. You hear inspirational quotes or something interesting about a coach, write it down. So that would be my key advice is get out there, gain as many experiences as you can ask questions, listen, that's important.
0: Listen and, and keep a notebook. That is great, Alistair, and I'm certainly listening to you right now. How can people interact with you online? A
1: few social media sources. I'm on Twitter, at Alistair McCall. I'm on Facebook, Alistair McCall Page, and I'm on Instagram, Champion Minded. and those are all three areas that you uh, you could contact me.
0: That is great. To all the listeners listening in, all those links will be on my website relating to this blog post. Alistair, it's been such a joy chatting with you today. Thank you very much. Cool. Thanks for having me. Wow. What a really fascinating podcast chat with Alistair. I cannot express how much I learnt through listening to Alistair understanding his career journey, but most importantly, talking about both his books. And without a doubt... I highly recommend you getting a copy because it will really enhance your way of thinking with regards to pursuing a career in the sports industry. And I don't just mean coaching. I don't just mean working with elite athletes. I mean really enhancing your own self-development in where you want to add value to the sports industry. But from a sports coaching perspective, I hope you really enjoyed what Alistair was talking about with the core principles of being an effective coach. And from a career perspective as well, I hope you took on board what Alistair was saying about being a great listener and not interrupting people who have got that experience so you can learn from them. So, look, I hope you really do apply what Alistair said during this podcast chat and apply it to your sports career ambitions today Good luck, hustle hard and make your career in sports a reality. Now, as always, at the end of each interview, i like to finish with an inspirational quote from my guest speaker. Alistair said, try to surround yourself with great people. Ask questions. When you ask a question, don't interrupt, just listen and keep a notebook so you can write down things that enhance your self-development. And lastly, gain as much experience as you can.